Good morning, everyone. I'm just reminded of the uh, passage in Psalm that says, I was glad when they said in me, let us uh, go into the house of the Lord. And uh, it should be an excitement about, um, about God's Word, an excitement about worship, an excitement about um, just the, the Christian fellowship that is part of being part of uh, Lakes Baptist Church. We are glad to have each of you here and uh, glad to have this opportunity to study God's Word together and to have this time of worship, to have the um, renewal of uh, some vows a bit later in the service, and we look forward to that. Um, I did announce uh, a few weeks ago by mistake that we are going to have a, a vow removal, and, and I meant a vow renewal, <laughs> and um, I think some of the men got excited, and then the, the, the wives nudged them and said, no, you're not taking part of that, but uh, this is a renewal of vows, uh, so just so you know, I've clarified with each of these couples, none of them are coming up to remove the vows, okay? They're all coming up to renew them, and uh, because uh, they have uh, expressed their love for each other, um, some of them many, uh, many years ago in, in marriage, and they want to, uh, uh, to recommit that, and before, uh, before you as their church family and before God, just uh, renew that commitment to that, uh, a life of, uh, of marriage, a life of love together. Before we uh, get into that part, we're going to um, continue on in our series in Amos. We're in Amos chapter 9, and uh, this morning we're going to look at uh, Amos chapter 9, just the first 10 verses, and then next week we'll uh, end the series. This will be the, next week will be the 12th part of our series in Amos. Uh, it's been great uh, to be able to study through Amos. Uh, well, at least for me, I think it's been uh, some great challenges from the book of Amos. And I want to challenge you guys, if you haven't read through Amos yet, uh, You've got some catching up to do, but just read through these first uh, eight. In fact, go ahead and read through all nine chapters of Amos. It's not a, a long read, but some great challenges for us. And I, I found that the great challenges for us as a church today, they're not just challenges from, for the people of Israel in the Old Testament times, but great challenges for us in 2016 and beyond, uh, for Lakes Baptist Church even in particular. Uh, some things that we need to be challenged to, to change, to challenge, to take action on. Now, challenges don't come, they're not easy for us to take, are they? We're not often good at looking in the mirror and recognizing some things that uh, maybe we need to reflect on or we need to acknowledge is, is not quite right and not quite honoring to God. And even if we're willing to look in that mirror and, and take that time of self-reflection and even if we're willing to take that step further and, and acknowledge that there are some things that need to be changed, we're pretty bad at taking action and actually making that change. And we're pretty bad at asking for some accountability and some support in, in making those changes. And yet, we are called as a church to do all of those things. We are called to, to be a people who, who look at our lives and, and we see some things that aren't honoring to God and we, we take action to, to allow God to change those things and to keep getting closer to Him and allowing Him to, uh, to, to renew us and to change us. And we're called to, to do this together in community, a, a community of faith as a church it's to be a family that, that keeps leading each other, keep leading one another closer and closer to God. And that's what we want to challenge one another to do as a church. It's to not just recognize the faults in, in ourselves, uh, recognize the things that we need to change, but to support each other, to challenge each other, to encourage each other, to draw closer and closer to God. So today, we've come to yet another one of those difficult passages. Once again, it's a passage all about punishment and judgment. But this time, God takes it a little step further. For in the previous parts of the book, we've talked about different sins and corruptions and things that uh, were kind of out there for everyone to know about and everyone to see, except for Israel. Israel didn't seem to see it in themselves. 
Uh, they saw the sins in other people, but thought that they were okay. But these are all things that they were living out and doing out, and everyone saw. Everyone recognized the wrong that Israel had done and how they had fallen away from God. The actions were kind of out there for everyone to see, but yet today is we, we kind of move into an area that none of us like to talk about. And that's kind of an area of, of a secret sin that may be in your heart or, or in your life, in the heart of, of every believer, that maybe your friends don't know about, maybe your co-workers don't know about, maybe the community don't see in you, but you, in your time of reflection, it's kind of that dark corner that you kind of want to say, all right, that, that's not there, it doesn't exist. And God challenges us through the reading today he was to challenge us to acknowledge his wisdom and, and his knowledge and how great a God it is, as well as to acknowledge our sin that he knows and he sees and he wants, us, he wants to restore and he wants to heal. So read with me, if you will, through Amos chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. We've got it on the screen here for you. Amos chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. It says, I saw the Lord standing by the altar, and he said, Strike the tops of the pillars, so that the thresholds shake. Bring them down on the heads of all the people. Those who are left, I will kill with the sword. None will get away. None will escape. Though they dig down to the depths of below, from there my hand will take them. Though they climb up to the heavens, from there I will break them down. I will bring them down. Though they hide themselves on the top of Carmel, there I will hunt them down and seize them. Though they hide from my eyes at the bottom of the sea, there I will command the serpent to bite them. Though they are driven into exile by their enemies, there I will command the sword to slay them. I will keep my eye on them for harm and not for good. The Lord, the Lord Almighty, he touches the earth and it melts, and all who live in it mourn. The whole land rises like the Nile, then sinks like the river of Egypt. He builds his lofty palace in the heavens and sets its foundation on the earth. He calls for the waters of the seas and pours them out over the face of the land. The Lord is his name. Are not you Israelites the same, as, same to me as the Cushites, declares the Lord? Did I not bring up out of Egypt, the Philistines out of Kaphtur, uh, and the Arameans out of Kerr? Surely the eyes of the sovereign Lord are on the sinful kingdom. I will destroy it from the face of the earth, yet I will not totally destroy the descendants of Jacob, declares the Lord. For I will give the command, and I will shake the people of Israel among all the nations as grain is shaken to a sieve, and not a pebble will reach the ground. All the sinners among my people will die by the sword. All those who say disaster will not overtake or meet us. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you and I praise you for the precious gift of your word. I pray, Lord, that you lead us through it now. Teach us your ways. Challenge us, God, and what we need to allow you to have. What we need to open our, how we need to open ourselves up to you. That you be honored and glorified through us as your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, one of the things we see straight away, I think, in, uh, in verses 1 to 4 is that no matter how much we think we may hide things or how 
how good we think we are at uh, putting on a, a good kind of Christian face and, and looking very Christ-like, I think, to, to others. Really, no, there's no sin that goes unseen or unknown and even unpunished. God sees and He knows everything. Now, we recognize that we all sin, and, and by sin we're basically saying anything that falls outside of, of God's Word or God's will. So anything that goes against God, and, and I know we've talked about it in the past that there, there's different kinds of sins, like there's kind of sins of commission, so things that we, we commit, uh, things that we do that are wrong, so we know the right thing, and um, we, we still do the wrong thing, and so that, that is, uh, is sin. We also recognize that there are sins of omission, which simply means we, we may know the right thing, but yet we choose not to do it. And so even in that, we are, uh, honoring, uh, we are dishonoring God. And uh, this sin separates us from God. Now, there are some things that we may do that's wrong that everyone knows about or everyone can see. Uh, maybe, you, you know, some people steal stuff in broad daylight and, and commit uh, crazy crimes. And there, there's stuff that we, we all see or we may know about. But there's also things in, in our hearts or our lives that, you know, you, you've tried to keep secret. Or maybe you've done that for years. There's things in our life that people may not know about, but God does. He sees everything. Even to the extent that you may, um, you may see someone coming across the parking lot. Maybe even this morning. And maybe you saw him and you thought, oh, no. Oh, not him. And not her. Not today, Lord. And then when they walk up, you go, oh, hey, how you going? And you're friendly and you, and you think... Oh, God, thank, thank you I didn't say, say what I was first thinking. Only I do, get, I, I do get worried as I get older because I don't know if you've noticed, but sometimes older people just seem to say what's on their mind. And they just kind of let you know what they really think. And sometimes as I've thought those thoughts and I thought, thank goodness I didn't say that, I'm thinking, I'm not getting any younger. One of these days I'm going to just say it out. And everyone's going to know. Now, sometimes we have things that... We think we've kept inside, and we think, oh, at least that person didn't know what I, I really thought. And, and sometimes you've, you've sat and you've talked with someone, and maybe they're, they're saying what's going on in their, their marriage, and then you're listening to them, and in the back of your mind, you're going, well, I can tell you why that's happening. Yeah? Well, I see how you guys react, and, and you're, you're judging them rather than listening and, and honoring to God in it. And there's several things that, even on little cases like that, that we think, oh, that's, that's hidden from everyone. No one knows those thoughts. I want to tell you, someone does. God sees those things, even those things that you think are little, those things that you think are minute and, and don't make any difference. God, and the big things as well, God sees the things in our lives that we think about. He knows the attitude of our heart. Man, that's power, isn't it? God knows everything. And he actually brings the, um, he brings the people here in Israel back to a great passage from King David's time in Psalm 139, when he starts talking about how, how deep is the Father's knowledge of us. And Psalm 139 kind of says, look, there's nowhere I can go. David is praising God and he's saying, there's nowhere I can go to get away from your love. There's nowhere I can go to get away from you, God. If I go into the heights of the heavens, you are there. If I go into the, the depths of the sea, you are there. If I say, even the, the darkness will hide me, even the darkness is as light to you. God, you see me and you know me. You know how many hairs are on my head. You've created me. Psalm 139 says, God, our words even before they're fully formed on our tongue. 
He knew us even before we were formed in our mother's womb. He knows us completely, and he loves us completely. You see, the people of Israel knew this passage really, really well of how God knows them and how he loves them. And God turns us around a little bit on the people, and he says, I know you completely, not just in a in that I know everything and you can't ever escape from my love. There's nothing you can do to step outside that love. God reminds the people here, I know what you're doing. I know how you're really living. I know what's really in your heart. And I see those sins that nobody else sees. He confronts the people of Israel here and says, I know how you're really living. Because I know the things that nobody else sees, but I see the attitude of the heart. I know the reason while you're really doing things. You know, there are people who are doing a lot of really good out there. There are a lot of Christian people in churches who are giving and, and they're, they're providing for charities and they're giving of their time, but they're doing it for all the wrong reasons. There are people who are, are, are in church worshiping on Sunday morning, some people singing, some people dancing, some people preaching. They're doing it all for the wrong reasons. There are some people who can even do good with attitudes that are displeasing to God. God says, whatever the sin is in your life, whatever those things are that you think you're hiding from everybody, I know what's going on in you. Because I created you. And I love you. And I know. I know it all. God uses this, this image of this ever-watchful eye which he brings from Psalm 139 to say that he's not only with them all the time, but he, he sees every sin. Nothing goes without his knowledge. And also, we can't escape the punishment which is due. God recognizes that every one of these sins, whether they be the deepest, darkest secrets that you hope nobody else finds out about, or the little white lie, God sees how that sin separates us from him and how it damages our lives how it damages our marriages, how it damages our relationships, how it damages our nation and our world. And God loves us so much as His people that He wants us to have an abundant life. He wants us to have a joyful life. He wants us to have a life free of that. He wants to have a life in, in full fellowship with Him. And so He draws to our attention anything that separates us from Him. Because He doesn't want any to perish, but all to have eternal life. Some sins are obvious, right? There are some things that, that others know. We all make mistakes. Maybe not you. I do. We, I think we all make mistakes. We all fall short of God's glory. But there are some things, there are some things that we think go unseen. There are many people who, even within churches, who have problems of addiction with alcohol or drugs, pornography and other things that you think nobody knows about. There are many people, even within churches, who have uh, in, uh, problems in their relationships. People who have given themselves over to others that they shouldn't have. Either maybe they've gone too far intimately with someone that's outside of marriage either before or, or during a marriage, anything outside of a marriage. Or maybe there are some who are married 
and they've never physically cheated on their spouse, but they let themselves go too far in emotional intimacy with someone outside of that marriage. They've allowed that to creep in. And it may be a secret, but God knows it all. There are others who, who cheat people or, or act corruptly in, in ways that you think nobody knows about. Maybe your whole life is a lie. Maybe there's things that your family don't really know who you are. Your friends don't know who you are. You have them all deceived. And I have to tell you this morning, God knows who you are. God knows how you live. He knows it all. He sees even the secrets. He sees even in the dark places. He knows all. Now verse 5 to 6 reminds us of what a, a sovereign God we, we serve. What a mighty and powerful God we serve. Look with me in verses 5 to 6. It says, The Lord, the Lord Almighty, He touches the earth and it melts, and all who live in it mourn. The whole land rises like the Nile, then sinks like the river of Egypt. He builds His lofty palace in the heavens and sets its foundation on the earth. He calls the waters of the sea and pours them out over the face of the land. The Lord is His name. Isn't that a beautiful passage of the power, the majesty, the authority of God? We serve a sovereign God. We serve a God who is omniscient. He knows everything. He is omnipotent and he is, he is all power and has all power and authority. This is a God who just gives the command and the waters fall over the earth. He gives the command and rivers rise or rivers fall. He controls the, the seas and the lands. All of creation is in His hand. We serve a God who is omnipresent. In fact, He's God is spirit and he, he operates outside of our time and space. He's not limited like we are. He can be all places at all times. So if we're in the heights of the heavens, He is there. If we're in the depths of the sea, He is there. If you're in Africa or North America or Australia or Asia, wherever you are, God is with you. He has that much power, that much control. And you may fool friends and family. You may even fool yourself. But I have to tell you, with the authority of God's Word, God knows everything. And this holy God has standards. He is completely pure and completely holy. And his, He has standards for your life that are so great that even the smallest of sins is enough to see us punished for all of eternity. We can't be with God because His perfect, His perfection, His holiness cannot stand even the smallest amount of sin. If there's any sin in our life, that sin separates us from God. Sometimes we like to put levels on sin and we go, okay, well, he's committed adultery or, 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 or she's committed murder. Well, they've done these kind of big things and so they don't deserve God's love. God actually says, all of us have sinned and come short of God's glory. There's none of us righteous, not even one. None of us are pure enough to be in God's presence. We all have those secret sins. We all have those closets of things that, that no one else seems to know about. 
that we thought we've kind of hidden away pretty well. And the friends, the community, and no one seems to know about them. But God knows it all, and he says, those things you need to ask forgiveness for. You need to turn over to me. And those things, those little things, or those big things, whatever they are, are enough to separate you from me. Sin, by its very nature, separates us from God. He is so holy and so perfect and so pure that any little black spot of sin shows up as, as, as clear as day. And I want to close this part by just saying God has no favorites. Now, some of us, I, I, you, you may never say this, but some of us like to think that we're God's favorites. We like to think, I'm a pretty good person. And, and, and I love God, and I, I come to church every week, and I read my Bible every once in a while. I pray sometimes. And so you think, I'm a pretty good person. At least I'm better than him, or I'm better than her. And we compare ourselves with others in our community. We compare ourselves with others in our family. You all do it. You all do it. Whether you're talking about sins or not, we might go, oh, well, at least he's not like your brother, or he's not like uh, this family member. And we, um, we, we put ourselves as, you know, I mean, we're good people, aren't we? I, I'm not, I'm not going to try to offend you in any way, but I have to say, I'm the best husband in this room. Huh? <laughs> How far? I don't even, I I even have to ask Lindy. I already know it's true. Yeah? I'm the best dad in the room. Yeah? And um, we, we, just, we convince ourselves that we're pretty good people. In fact, we do such a good job of it that we don't want to hear anything that, that says otherwise. And so we don't like if we see someone that looks like a better husband than we are. We don't like if someone seems like a better Christian than we do. Because we're like, okay, I'm going to go in this door instead of that door. Because that person seems like a better Christian. If I sit next to them, I'm not going to seem so great anymore. What are people going to think? We seem to think that we're a bit better than others. Well, Israel was just like that. Israel were convinced they're God's chosen people. And so they're, they're therefore just they're automatically protected. They're automatically in right favor with God. And so that anything they do, any sin or anything that people know about, or even things that are, are kind of hidden from the world, they think, you know, we'll be fine because God loves us. But God actually changes that around. Now, Israel were God's chosen people. God made a covenant with Abraham, and he made a covenant with Moses, and he made a covenant with, with David that he's going to protect them. And if they just follow him, he will be their God, and they will be his people. He has always come true on that, that promise, and he's always been there for them. He's protected them. He's led them. He's forgiven them. He's picked them back up off the, the rough patches, back onto the solid ground, led them again. Then he's watched them fall away again, and he's done the same thing again. He's forgiven, and he's restored, and he's led them again. But God lets the people of Israel know that all people are special to him, not just Israel. And he does this in a, a unique way that sometimes we might miss as we just kind of read through the scriptures. And in verse, um, verse 7, he says this, Are not you Israelites the same to me as the Cushites? declares the Lord. Now, we might read that and go, mm, I don't, what, what in the world does that mean? But to the people of Israel, man, I think in, in the country where I was from, you'd go, them there are fighting words. Yeah. Well, you'd say, them there are fighting words. What, excuse me, what did you say to me? Now, maybe you've had someone say something and you go, hold on, did, you, did I actually just hear you say it to me? You want a piece of me? What are you, what are you, what's going on? 
Now, this is kind of how Israel would respond to God saying this. Aren't you, Israel, just like the Cushites to me? Because Israel saw they were the special people. They're God's chosen people. They could do anything, and God would still love them and forgive them. And he, and he says, just because I moved you out of Egypt, which was a special time of deliverance, and, and God showing his power and his love for his people, he said, I've moved other groups too. I've picked up the Cushites, and I've moved them from, from Arabia, uh, where, where they were living to, and planted them in Africa. And in fact, the Cushite people are, are still in Africa, in the, the Nuba Mountains of Sudan. The people of the Nuba Mountains, the tribes of Nuba people, trace their ancestry back uh, to the ancient Cushite people in the Bible, who were once in Arabia, and then were moved to northern ends of uh, to, to Ethiopia and the northern ends of, um, of Sudan, and then were moved from northern ends of Sudan into the Nuba Mountains, uh, which they see as a place of blessing. God says to Israel, you are special to me, and I love you. But you're not more special than anyone else. You're not more protected than anyone else. I love you with an everlasting love. But I love you too much. I love you too much to not punish that sin. I love you too much to allow that sin to keep separating us. Because I want you to have that fellowship. I want you to have that abundant life. I want you to have joy in your marriage. I want you to have joy in your family. I want you to live in a community of peace. And so I cannot, because I love you, I cannot keep allowing this sin to separate you from me. And so I have to draw these things to your attention. I have to punish that sin. Others have been judged, and you will be too. It ends with a, a little bit of hope in this passage by saying, That he's going to, first, it says in verse 8 that I'm going to destroy this kingdom. I see your sinful kingdom, the kingdom of Israel, the people, God's, posed, God's chosen people. He said, I will destroy it from the face of the earth, but I'll not totally destroy the descendants of Jacob. For I'll shake you like shaking grains of, of wheat to the sieve. And all the sinners among my people will die by the sword. All those who say, Disaster will never come or meet me. God says, look, I, I see what's going on. And I will punish that sin. But I'll not completely destroy my people because I love you. And God's desire is not for anyone to have to be punished, not for anyone to have to suffer, not for anyone to have to struggle, but for us to avoid these things and to, to check ourselves and what's not pleasing to God and to allow Him to change that. Oh, how God wants to change us every day, to be more like Him. No matter where we go, a message from, from this Amos chapter 9, this, this first part, is that no matter where we go, or even to other countries, or to the highest heights, or the deepest, greatest depths, our Lord God knows who we are and how we live. And we need to make ourselves right before this Almighty God. Now, one problem is, there's no amount of good we could do. There's no amount of churchy kind of things we could do to me may rot with God. So what's the answer? Simple for us. The answer is trust in Jesus. 
But God's Son, the only one who was perfect, without sin or spot or blemish, was separated from God in death to pay the price for our sin with His life. So anyone who believes in Him could have life. Not that we deserve it, but because God is gracious and He's loving. Romans 6.23 reminds us that the payment for sin that we all do is death. Separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Church, we are God's special people. But that does not protect us from, from punishment. He loves you. And He wants you to know that sin, even the sin that you think nobody knows about, the sins that maybe you don't even acknowledge are there, God knows about, and He wants to help you to be free from. God knows. He knows. And yet God forgives, and He heals, and He restores for any who will trust in Him. I want to challenge you this morning. If God's working in your heart, if God's stirring, His Spirit is stirring in your heart, your life this morning, and you're going, okay, God, I hear you. There's those things I've never really given to you. There's those things I've never really acknowledged as there. God, I need you to forgive me. I need you to take that. I want to say, it doesn't matter if everyone knows your sin or if nobody knows your sin. The fact is, none of us are too far gone for God's grace. Isn't that great? Grace covers a multitude of sins. When I read scriptures like that, grace covers a multitude of sins, I say, praise God, because that's me. Praise God. I don't automatically think of other sinners. I think of me. I think that is amazing grace. Is that God knows me completely, better than anyone, and yet He still loves me, and He still loves you. No matter what you've done, or how many times, or how far gone you feel you are, you never go too far to step out of God's grace and His love and His mercy. His mercy. He's here for you today. Today is your time to, to get things right with God. And I want to say, if you have questions or you have, you have doubts or whatever it is that God is working in your life and saying, I think I need to change. I think I need to make a commitment. I think I need to ask God for forgiveness. Whatever it is, however He's dealing with your heart, don't leave here today without getting things right with God. Not that there's anything magic about this place, but God has given us a space. He's brought us here for a reason. He's brought us here for this time and, and this, this moment to be here together, to hear from God's Word together, to challenge each other, to love each other. And this is the group that will keep you accountable to that. This is the group who wants to support you and to encourage you and to love you to live that life that God wants us to have. Take a look at yourself. Take a look in your heart. Maybe even those parts that you've not looked at in years. Examine yourself. Say, God, I know that even those parts that I try to pretend aren't there, you know me. And God, I need you to forgive me. I need you to heal me. I need you to restore me. God, help me to be the person. God, help us to be the church that you want us to be. That's completely surrendered to you in every part of us. In Jesus' name, amen.